You're listening to the Webfoot Way Podcast, the official podcast of Webfoot Painting and Webfoot Concrete Coatings, the number one rated home service company on the planet. Seriously. Don't believe me? Well, one of our core values is not taking yourself too seriously, so uh, maybe you're onto something. Well, let's get into it. The Webfoot Way Podcast. So the goal of this conversation is to really address a lot of the misinformation online about polyuria. In producing our content that's polyuria in depth, all the problems and benefits, I realized that there's a lot of contradictory information online for homeowners who are trying to just determine if polyuria is the best product for their floor. And Webfoot is committed to using our polyurea product provided by Pentec, where you, Jake Thomas, are vice president. And so we're really excited to talk to you about polyurea and really just assuage all of those concerns and fears that homeowners may have. Yeah, that's an exciting world of concrete coatings, right? Exactly. And we'll just go around really quick, uh, give a little background on who's on this Mm -hmm. for those listening to just audio. But my name is Chris Kiefer. I'm the marketing director at Webfoot Concrete Coatings um, and have been at Webfoot for about three years now. And um, yeah, we've, we have at Webfoot, we're just committed to educating and providing good, helpful information um, and also owning where products may not be good fits. Because um, I think everyone's been in a situation where you're talking to someone that just swears that they have literally the perfect solution for everything in the world. And it's like, I mean, there's everything straight up. So anyways, that's my view and background. And uh, Jake, you can go ahead and introduce yourself. And then Mikhail, I guess you can share a little bit about what you actually do at Webfoot. Uh, yeah, Jake Thomas. So I actually sit in uh, in Minneapolis, which is where our headquarters is for Pentec. And um, I'm technically vice president, but help out with kind of everything that, uh, that Kyle, our owner and CEO needs. Um, you know, he owns several different companies and as you can imagine, is as busy as can be. And so, you know, just in the last few months, he kind of asked me, hey, would you transition? I was in sales before. Uh, for about a year and a half with us. And, and he just, you know, asked me, hey, I, you know, could use a little bit of help. And so I work really closely with our marketing team, uh, work closely with our sales team to keep them in the loop. Um, we've got seven regional sales managers all over the country. And so what we found was a lot of times some communication gets, you know, a little bit lost in translation with them. And so being able to have someone that's close to corporate, close to Kyle, close to the operation and manufacturing, and then can relay some of that real-time information to our sales team. Just can it keeps that game of telephone as, as close as we can. And awesome. I, yeah. So I'm Michaela, and I work on the marketing team at Webfoot Concrete Coatings, and I'm the SEO content strategist. So I'm really responsible for doing all of the in-depth research to make sure that all of our website copy is as accurate and informative as possible. So, Jake, um, I'm curious, before we get into, like, the content itself, uh, yeah. I, like, where you mentioned that a few months ago you were in sales and became VP. Um, mm-hmm. What, what like, go back to when you started at Pentec, where, what drew you to the company? How did you hear about it? Um, and why did you jump in to begin with? Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. So, I actually was with, my background is actually in tech. So, I was in tech sales and worked for, um, you know, more of a, you know, high growth company uh, for about four and a half years prior to Pentec. 
And um, I met Kyle at a charity event. We were we got sat at the same table and happened to get sat next to each other and kind of hit it off and became friends. And you know we'd go to hockey games and you know just literally it just it sparked out of a friendship. And that company I was with, um, it was an just an amazing company, great environment, uh, great great organization to be a part of. Never thought I would leave. I was like, I'm going to be here forever. Uh, when I started with them, uh, I was employee number 18, um, and then when I left, we were at about 169. So I got to be a part of this really cool growth trajectory. And I remember even when Kyle and I first met, he was really interested on, okay, you know, how, how's your, you know, how's your growth structured? How do you guys kind of put guardrails in place? Because obviously, Pentec's in a in a pretty awesome situation right now where we're just experiencing some tremendous growth. Um, but yeah, so I, I really had no intentions of leaving. I was a sales enablement manager, which is a fancy word for I, I built systems for our sales team. So trainings, content. Um, I was a um, you know kind of a regional uh, salesperson for a long time. There had opened new markets and kind of helped scale to different cities uh, for years. And so it was time for me to kind of come off the road and be home a little bit more. And so stepped into an enablement role. Uh, which actually fits pretty well with what I'm doing now as far as building resources for a lot of our regional sales managers. Um, did a lot of training, uh, a lot of um, kind of team-focused and, and team-forward events, whether it be our, our big get-togethers for all of our employees. We were in about 17 states, so we had employees all over the country. But, um, yeah, that was kind of my background. And to make a long story short, um, COVID hit. We laid off a pretty considerable number of our workforce. And I kind of just started to see the writing on the wall. I was like, all right, I, my whole team was gone. Uh, I was the only person left on my team. Um, and, I, and I realized, okay, my number might be up at some point. And so I didn't even look for a job. I just started networking with some of the people that, that I knew in the Minneapolis area and companies that I was interested in. And uh, Kyle and I were actually out on jet skis at his house one, one day. And we were just shooting the breeze, just hanging out, grilling out. And um, he said, hey, how's work going? I kind of told him, I was like, hey, it's, this has been a, a tough season at, at the current job. Kind of told him what we were going through. And um, he basically just said, so like, you going to ask me or like, what's what's going on here? And I was like, well, are you hiring? And he's like, well, for you, yeah, we'd figure something out. And so I got to step into into kind of a unique role at Pentec. Uh, we had never had a central U.S. regional sales manager actually sit out of uh, out of the corporate office. And, you know, I think the idea behind it was, hey, we're going to service all these accounts right from corporate. They're nearby. They're in the seven states uh, surrounding our headquarters in Minneapolis. And what we found was, you know, if, if nobody really has an eye on our dealers in the area, a lot of times they kind of get left behind. And so quite a few of the accounts that I inherited and took over you know, I'd been dealers for years and had never had someone from the company actually come out and visit them, actually talk about the growth of their company, how we could help. And so I was able to step into that and, uh, and was a regional for, you know, a little, little less than a year and a half, uh, you know, when I kind of stepped into something uh, slightly different. So, Can you speak to sort of the backstory of Pentec, what led to the inspiration for Pentec and kind of the story of how the company really began? Absolutely. So it's a it's a great story, and it's one I like telling because I think it can kind of communicates the heart behind the company and and why we care so much about our installers and partners that we work with. Um, so Pentec was really founded arguably back in 2009. So Kyle Baines is our owner and founder. 
And um, he was just a young guy looking for a way to pay for college. And his dad, his dad had used polyureas in, in different professions and had been doing some garage coatings. And so Kyle saw an opportunity to, to come from small town Mankato, which is, you know, about an hour south of Minneapolis, up to the up to the Twin Cities and start coding some garages. And what he found was at the time in, in 2009, there were a lot of a lot of offerings on the market for floor coatings, and they were really inconsistent and not great. And so, you know, some were really fast curing, some were really slow, some had great adhesion in some areas and for some reason didn't, you know, stick to the substrate in others, and there was no real rhyme or reason. And so Kyle went in this like really unique journey to find a product that made the most sense. And, you know, he, he kind of started with polyureas in mind, but has tried. So funny, I was chatting with him this morning about this. And I said, well, how many products have you tried? He's like, all of them. Like, I, I tried all of them. You know, for, for years, he started to, uh, you know, try different products that, that were available and, and hated a lot of them. You know, epoxy, which we'll talk a little bit about, uh, it's it's a great product for the right application uh, and for what he was trying to do it just wasn't it just wasn't a good option and so he he kind of went out to find something that made sense stumbled on on polyureas knew the benefits that they had in in previous applications it's actually not a very new chemical um, but in the garage coatings world you know they kind of figured out that wow this is this is really a great solution so he started focusing really heavily on that. Uh, and really perfecting uh, the floor coating that he was going to offer. And so, you know, was able to come up with Pentec. Pentec was officially founded in 2012. Um, you know, and the idea was was really just Kyle needed a, a product that he wanted to use himself. And word spread pretty quickly around Minneapolis that, hey, this this guy's got a killer product that works. And, uh, and he had other companies reach out and say, hey, what can we do to buy some buckets? And it has just really grown through a lot of effort from some awesome people along the way, um, you know, from our sales team led by Scott Wire to, you know, our, our marketing teams and, and office teams. And it's grown into just something really unique and special where we're up over 200 dealers in 49 of the 50 states. Um, but that's kind of how Kyle got into it and, and really just wanted something that worked and something that he could be proud to put down. That's awesome. My thought with that is, and it's speaking of polyurea in particular, in the research that we've done, it looks like it's been, I mean, it's not like this new thing that was invented by Kyle. It was heavily used in a lot of other different applications. For sure. um, and I'm curious, just some things that we came across, I don't know if you can speak to this at all because they're kind of random, but uh, yeah. using to coat pipes and machinery yep. that are in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. This is really great for uh, resistance to or like rust and decay, of, especially in mm -hmm. high salt environments. Um, yep. Another thing, and then I'll let you chime in on any other interesting yeah. applications. I was just at a home show this weekend, and there was a roofing company that did like commercial industrial roofs. And he was like, oh, polyurea. Yeah. I used to work for this company, and we'd put down this foam on roofs, and then we would coat the top of it with uh, polyurea. And he's like, we would do these on government buildings because they're actually bulletproof. It would bulletproof the roof. I think mostly oh the God. mostly the foam, like a you know, it's like ballistics yeah. gel or something. Yeah. But I was like, oh wow, so we can now. I mean, like, and for marketing and for fun, <laughs> like this is bulletproof. Floor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, concrete. You know, it's already where are you going to shoot through concrete? But polyurea yeah. is used to bulletproof building government buildings yeah. roofs, apparently, according to this. That's product. pretty. So, that's pretty wild. Yeah, it's been. You know, the, the, the 
product itself has been around for a while. This is a somewhat newer application, you know, within the last 15 or so years. Um, but yeah, it was, to, to your testament, it was used as a metal coating for a long, long time. So whether it was, you know, water pipes, whether it was um, even, it, it's really similar molecularly to uh, truck bed liners. And so, you know, very strong, super high adhesion, and, and it fits really well in applications where it's going to be, you know, needed to be durable and is going to be beat on and pounded on and, and really used, you know, heavily. And so, yeah, to your, to your token, you know, if, man, if it'll hold up underwater and, and hold up in, in those scenarios, it's, man, it should be good for our garages. That's, that's yeah. the hope behind it. And um, with that, the, there's a, again, this is just conversations with customers. This one customer had done research and found that, uh, he'd find found articles saying that polyurea was actually not good in garage floors. And we were like, well, I mean, there, <laughs> what is polyurea? I know that there's conversations that need to be had around purity mm -hmm. of the product. I 100%. remember the story of, um, Nutrigrain bars. This is like a couple months ago. They were getting sued because their apple Nutrigrain bars didn't actually have enough apple in the bar. And wow. there's like the FDA, you know, said, or the, the food uh, jurisdiction says you have to have, you know, 51% apple like puree in order to say that you're an yeah. apple, you know? So it's like, that probably is very similar to what companies are doing. I would imagine with, oh, yeah. it's a polyurea floor and they have just enough to legally say that's, that it is, <laughs> of course there's fillers. They're going to tell you, but um, you that affects the integrity of the product too. Absolutely. You know, and, and this is kind of what's great about polyurea can, can be a little bit detrimental. It's, ex, it's an expensive product to manufacture. I mean, we don't hide behind that. It's, uh, it's the Cadillac of floor coatings. That's the way we like to, or the, maybe the Tesla now. But, you know, we, we like to believe that, um, you know, people that are going to put down our coatings really care about quality. And so much of that quality needs to start at our end, the manufacturer. And so we manufacture 100% solids polyurea base coat and when you talk to homeowners a lot of times they glaze over at this point but it, it really is important for them to understand there's a lot of options on the market for homeowners to put down on their garage floors and they need to understand that they're not all created equal in fact even polyureas aren't created equal there's a lot of fillers there's a lot of things that you can put in your chemical uh, to make it go a little bit further and it's a slippery slope as a manufacturer uh, to say you know it, it'll be almost just as good if we cut the solids content or the purity down. It, it, it'll be almost there, you know, and, and what we find is once you get started down that road, um, you know, it, it'll lead you to a place you don't want to be. And so, yeah, our, our uh, base coat is 100% solids, which basically means it is pure polyurea. Uh, there are not fillers. There is not additives. We are not adding chemicals to try to make it go further or to make it cheaper for the customer. Uh, because we really want our not only our dealers, but the end customer to care about that quality, um, you know, and, and by starting with quality from the manufacturer, you'll find that it, it kind of translates all the way down to the to the homeowner and the consumer. Um, there's a and, lot of companies that sorry, go ahead. I was just thinking as we're getting into this, I feel like uh, if you could just explain what is in a like the, the floor layers. Um, yep. What So it's polyurea base coat. And then what else happens in the process? Because obviously people listening to this might be dealers or homeowners that are 100%. learning about this, but there's several different pieces to the puzzle to create this ultra durable, long lasting Pentec. You bet. 
You bet. I mean, it starts with, honestly, uh, preparation is key. Uh, what we find is with any floor application, if, if your installers or if your company that you're partnering with isn't going to take the time to really adequately prep a floor, it doesn't matter what you put on it. It's going to come off eventually. And so whether it's polyurea or direct concrete aspartics or epoxies or whatever it may be, we want to start with a really well-prepared substrate. And so uh, we do this through uh, a grinding process. So we'll actually remove uh, kind of the, the, the top layer, it's eighth to a sixteenth of an inch of that concrete. And what this does is this exposes all of the pores in the concrete. And we want our chemical to dive deep down into the concrete. So that's the first step. Uh, and at that point, we're able to roll on our 100% solid polyurea base coat. And we roll that on, um, you know, and, and, uh, and then are able to let it sit a little bit, and then we're able to broadcast chip into it. Uh, one thing that homeowners a lot of times see is they see the, the DIY kit from Home Depot or, or Lowe's or wherever it may be. It comes with this little bag of chips that are, you know, decorative, and you kind of toss it around your garage. And what we do is we sell our chip in 40-pound boxes. And so our, our goal is to broadcast rejection. Uh, is what we call it. And the idea is it's going to give you really, really consistent color and a, and a consistent look of the floor. But then we're going to come back in and we're actually going to scrape that floor two different directions. And that's going to give us a really, really good um, texture that we're looking for. So, you know, the, the chips aren't going to be sticking up. They're going to be smooth. Uh, but at the same time, it's going to offer a little bit of that orange peel texture is what we call our floors. And, and once it's been scraped both directions, uh, we vacuum it up again, continue to work with the prep, and then are able to come back over it with our polyaspartic top coat, which is really resistant to marring, scratching, chemicals, and that's going to be a really good finish on your floor. And that's kind of the, the, you know, the nuts and bolts of how we install a floor. I'd actually like to kind of delve a little deeper into what you were talking about, like, so... A lot of the confusion that we see customers bring up has to do with those variations between what is the base coat and what is the top coat. And so if you could speak a little more to right. the logic behind the choices for the products of the base coat versus the top coat, one being yeah. the pure polyurea, the other being polyaspartic, as you mentioned. Yeah, polyaspartic is, again, it's, it's a chemical that's been around for a long time, and we love polyaspartic. Uh, every floor that we put down has a polyaspartic top coat over the top of it. But you really have to go into, okay, what are the correct chemicals for the correct applications? And so um, polyaspartics have some limitations in them. And, and we're actually working on some content. I work really closely with our marketing team. They're just awesome. And we're actually working on some content right now to help the homeowner understand the difference. I think you can read it on a sheet or you can hear it from a sales rep, uh, but to really create a graphic and a video that'll, that'll help this sink in. Uh, polyureas, it, it, there's kind of multiple you know, reasons why polyureas work so much better as a base coat than a polyaspartic. Uh, first of all, polyureas actually have a moisture bind agent to them, and so they will actually want to soak into the concrete deep and bind that moisture. And what you're left with is a chemical that actually becomes part of the substrate. It's a chemical bond to that substrate that you leave behind. In addition, what most people don't know is polyaspartics actually cure uh, from the outside in, whereas polyureas cure from the inside out. And why this makes such a big difference is you want your chemical to soak as deep into that, the pores of that concrete as possible. Well, if your concrete is hardening from the outside in, I kind of liken it to an egg. If it hardens with the shell first, 
and then the white and then the yolk, it's not able to soak as deep into that concrete as a polyurea, which actually hardens from the inside out. So that, that product actually stays wet a little bit longer and is able to dive deeper into the substrate and actually kind of grow roots into that concrete much deeper than a polyaspartic can. Um, it's kind of crazy, but in 2007, 2008, 2009, somewhere in there, uh, polyaspartics direct to concrete were really, really popular. Everyone was doing them. They're a little bit less expensive to manufacture, uh, and everybody was doing it. And what we found was a lot of these aspartics after two, three, four years would actually completely delaminate from the substrate. And that has to do with the alkalinity that's in the concrete. And there are some incredible photos of guys pulling up six-foot sheets out of these garages. You know, and it looks great on the outside, but you're losing that durability and the integrity of the actual base coat. And so there, you know, a lot of polyaspartic direct-to-concrete manufacturers are able to add some, some fillers and some other chemicals that, that in theory, should really, really help with this. Um, but as we've seen direct-to-concrete aspartics really get popular in the last couple of years, man, it's a, it's a dangerous game that I think a lot of people are playing with in order to save a little bit of money uh, on their product, ultimately, and the job costing that they're, they're passing on to the consumer. And when we're talking so about that makes sense aspartic, to me. Oh. Yeah, go ahead. You might be asking what I'm going to go wanted, for. I just wanted for clarity purposes, because I think this is maybe a point of confusion as well, especially when people are encountering all this information on the Internet. When we're talking about polyaspartics, polyaspartics yeah. are still polyureas, correct? Bingo. Yep. All polyaspartics are a form of polyurea. Um, and, you know, I kind of liken it to uh, what not uh, not all or uh, all bourbons are whiskeys, but not all whiskeys are bourbon. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've got different subsets within these categories of polyols. And so, yeah, aspartics are definitely a form of polyureas. Um, but it, it, the properties that are within the aspartics don't hold up nearly as well to 100 percent solid, pure polyurea as a, as a base coat. And so what I've seen is, you know, there's a lot of people installing floors that simply call it a poly base coat. And when, when you really press the issue, some of these people that are, that are talking about this product, they don't even really know what it is. I see poly hybrid. I see poly. I see, you know, and, and a lot of people, for the average homeowner, why would you dig, right? Mm-hmm. You're going you're gonna to trust what, what a sales rep or a consultant is going to say. And so it's really important for people to understand that, the differences, in it, no matter how subtle or nuanced they may be, are going to greatly impact, you know, the longevity and, and you know, the lasting effect of your floor. And it does make a big difference. Um, you know, aspartics direct to concrete have gotten popular again within the last couple of years. And we just don't have a long enough sample size to see how long they're going to last. But what we do have is we do have years and years and years of polyurea floors that look just as good today and are sticking around the same as they looked when they were first rolled out, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago. And I was going to say, uh, on my thought, so the, the, if I'm going to put this into my own words and correct me if I'm not stating this mm-hmm. the right way, but a polyurea as a base coat is critical because, or the benefit I should say, because you can do whatever you want as a base coat theoretically, but the yep. reason why it's stronger is because it is going to cure from the inside out, meaning that, as it's mm-hmm. once it sits down, it's going to keep seeping down as it's hardening Correct. deeper. Yep. Whereas the polyaspartic does not. That makes sense to me for the base coat. 
but why not just do a hundred percent polyurea floor? What's the benefit of doing the polyaspartic on the top coat? Great question. So the primary benefits is um, aspartics are much more resistant to marring. So your tires, um, you know, dragging things across the concrete, things like that. The other primary benefit is UV stability. Uh, we're completely honest that our base coat is not UV stable. Polyurea is an incredible or it's an incredible chemical. It has so many awesome benefits. UV stability just isn't one of them. And so if you just roll out polyurea and don't put anything over the top of it, it's going to yellow and it's going to fade in the sun. Now, with that being said, once you add the other layers of, a, of the system, like the vinyl chip that we broadcast to rejection, as well as the polyaspartic top coat, you're left with a 100% UV stable floor. And so we're able to kind of get around some of the imperfections of polyurea by utilizing different aspects of the system. Whereas the aspartics, 100% UV stable, they're going to be super clear, super clean. Uh, it's going to be very easy to wipe up any spills, messes. It's going to be resistant to chemicals. It's going to be resistant to, to scratches and, and imperfections from, you know, use and abuse. And so we're big fans of polyaspartic. We just know that the right application for it is as a top coat instead of a base coat. So I, I love that because the I've seen I, an article that was, which is better, polyurea or polyaspartic? And it's like, for what? <laughs> because yeah, it, <laughs> the combination, there's downsides to each one. And it's by applying it in the way that that's going, like in the way that's going to be most successful for each element is the key. Because mm -hmm. the, the, the only thing that I, or the claims that I've personally heard um, from about polyurea is that, oh, it's a fast curing time, which to mm -hmm. me, well, I guess uh, before I share my opinion, yeah. what do you, what would you say about that? So polyurea has a fast curing time. Does that mean we shouldn't use it? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the cure time. So polyurea is used, it's called a ladder cure system. And what this means is that, you know, kind of, this is terrible. I'm using my hands since this is a podcast, but what it's going to mean is uh, the product's going to have a decent amount of work time and the, the product's just going to continue to stay workable. Your crews are going to be able to brush it on, roll it out. It's going to stay, you know, somewhat viscous. They're able to chip into it. It's going to do a great job. And then once it starts to cure, it is really going to, it's going to move very quickly. And so it's amazing. We were doing a floor last week for a video and I went over to the floor and, and kind of touched it. I'm like, Ooh, it's still a little bit wet. We need it to sit a little bit longer. 10 minutes later, Pat Adams, our head technical trainer, came in, touched the floor, and he's like, oh, this is ready to go. And I was like, wait, what? And I go, I, I literally felt it 10 minutes ago. And he goes, well, you hit that spike on the cure. So the, the floor will stay soft, soft, soft. And then when it cures, it kind of pushes up really quickly, um, you know, and, and ultimately it, it, it cures very, very fast at that point. What this means is that polyureas are not a good DIY kit. This is not for average consumers to use. Um, you know, epoxies are amazing because they have a long pot life. You can use it, apply it, play with it for a long, long time, and it won't matter. Whereas polyureas, there's an art to it. And that's why, as, as a manufacturer, we want to make sure that we train every single dealer that comes into our network and starts using our product. We want to have that hands-on training to make sure that they know how to really apply it well, because there is, you know, there's a little bit of a human element when applying it. Um, mm. But yeah, the short of it is polyurea is up much, much longer, or I should say it, it, there's, it's a slow work time, um, but it's going to cure very, very quickly. And then ultimately, like once it's what we call closed, it is 100% cured and it's ready to scrape and you're done. 
Because that that the follow up to like, oh, it's a fast cure time is people will say because of the fast cure time, it's actually going to lead to a weaker bond, and that's not that's yeah. not you can't just say cure time like oh, so if you get the one that takes five days to cure, like an epoxy, that's going to be the strongest. Like that's a right. two different <laughs> factors that we're talking about, right? Totally different. Yeah, um, and I, I think. You know, it's a, it's very easy for people to say, well, if it cures fast, it's not going to be as long lasting. That's a that makes sense. That's a that's a logical explanation. Uh, but what you really need to look at is, you know, what is the chemical designed to do? And a polyurea is designed to drive deep into the substrate very very quickly. Um, you know, and within 60 to 90 minutes, once it's fully cured or cured enough for us to get back in on it and and scrape our chip you know, you're going to be left with some really long lasting cure times. The other thing to keep in mind is, yes, we're going to get back in on, on it after 60 to 90 days. That floor is technically 60 to 90 minutes, right? Or sorry, 60, sorry, <laughs> yeah, 60 to yeah. 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, that floor isn't going to be completely 100% cured for closer to 72 hours. And yeah. so that urea is continuing to dive deep, continuing to bond and really become part of that concrete. However, you know, it's just fine to walk on and use and you can get it back to service. That's the beauty of, of these poly, uh, polyurea, polyaspartic systems is, you know, homeowners don't have to move out for four days in order to get their garage done. And then the, I'm just hitting these last two hit points that I've heard commonly with polyurea. The other one is that it's reactive to UV. So, again, these are consumers are hearing other companies say polyurea is not good because it's got fast curing time which we've just talked about is irrelevant yep. with, um, or to me, it does it does make the installation process critical that you've got to be good at it, but it's you irrelevant to it. the bonding ability of that. And the second thing mm -hmm. I've heard is it's reactive to UV. So it's going to be, it's going to fade in color, which is true, but that's why we totally don't use, true. yeah, that's why we don't use polyurea as the top coat because that would lead Bingo. to a yellowing floor. We use polyaspartic. Yep, we're very honest and transparent with the limitations of this product. I think it's uh, you should be really careful if somebody comes to you and says, this is the perfect product. This is for every application. Everybody wants it. There's no limitation. You know, that's where we get a little bit leery. You know, the good news is that, you know, as we innovate and change, change our, you know, our formulas and, and come up with new products that are going to fit more needs, what we find is that, you know, a lot of it starts with that polyurea base coat. That is, that's the bread and butter. That's what we do. That's what we believe in. That's what we kind of, you know, have hitched our wagon to. But making sure that through the application process, whether it's the chip system with a clear polyaspartic or even with a tinted polyaspartic top coat, that's another thing. The minute that you cover that polyurea base coat with a tinted top coat, there's no chance that UV is going to get through to the base coat. And so it won't yellow, it won't fade, it won't change. You know, what I like to tell people, I sit in Minneapolis, right? So it's, it's cold all the time. We got like 10 months of winter here. It's just awful. But what I tell people is, you know, we've got dealers that have been with us since the beginning all over the country. And I'm telling you, if there was a problem with UV stability, all of our dealers in Texas and Florida and Arizona and Southern California would have a serious issue. But the fact of the matter is, is if you put some intentionality into the system that you design and you put the right products layered on top of each other, you're, you're left with a really long-lasting UV-stable floor. Mm, that's awesome. So I think one of the most confusing things when homeowners begin to research um, concrete coatings is the different terminology used online that kind of 
throws people off their trail of understanding what these products really are. And an example of that is a lot of the conversations surrounding, oh, aromatic polyuria, it's not UV stable. So what really is aromatic polyuria versus aliphatic polyuria, Mm -hmm. which is definitely something different. But how would you really dig into explaining the differences between the two? Yeah, and I think it's I think it's easy to use big words to try to justify what what you're trying to communicate, um, but it, they're very different, and it has to do with the structure um, that the poly is actually formed in. And so we at Pentec we use um, aliphatic uh, polyaspartics, and the reason we do that is it gives you 100% UV stability, and it gives you some pretty extreme resistance to chemical and marring. So what you're left with as opposed to an aromatic, which tends to be much cheaper. Uh, it's much easy to cure, easier to cure. Um, you don't have to you know, kind of mess with the cure cycle nearly as much, but you're gonna be left with heavy UV instability. So that's where you know, a lot of times you see top coat that has yellowed where the sun is, or maybe the last you know, three inches of the garage gets sun a lot, and it's, it's yellowed and looks terrible. In addition, aromatics just aren't nearly as chemical resistant as aliphatics are. And so, you know, whether you're still in brake cleaner on, on your garage floor or in a commercial application where they're using some heavy-duty cleaners or chemicals, you want to make sure that, you know, the aliphatic has a different structure to it, which doesn't let that chemical seat down and get into the actual top coat. In addition, the aliphatic is going to be much more resistant to marring and, and uh, you know, kind of deterioration from the outside surface. And so, uh, you know, with a lot of these things we talk about all the time, a lot of it is just what's cheaper from the manufacturing standpoint and what's cheaper for the installers. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, want to be that budget option for homeowners. And uh, unfortunately, they've got to do a good job of of using big words and trying to sell why their product is a little bit different and which homeowner is going to dig deep and, and kind of learn about, you know, your different chain versus ring structure of, of polyaspartics and how they cure. And so does poly or aliphatic and aromatic only apply to polyaspartics or is that also applied to polyurea? Uh, poly, uh, polyurethanes is another one that it applies to. It doesn't apply to polyureas. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's specifically then, talking about our top coat. Gotcha. So this is because, Michaela, mm-hmm. I think you had said mm-hmm. when talking about polyureas, but we're talking about polyaspartics and those differences. I wanted to clarify that. Well, so are you saying that... Um, like for example, one of, uh, a really popular article that we came across online when we were working on our own content was this page that was talking yeah. about aromatic polyureas and being like aromatic polyureas mm-hmm. are not UV stable. So are you saying that aromatic polyurea is not accurate? Um, as far as when talking about the polyureas, mm-hmm. so correct, polyureas are not UV stable. And polyureas are automatically aromatic, whereas okay. polyaspartics are going to be aliphatic, and that's going to be, you know, what we're going to use for our aspartic top. All right, I understand. Gotcha. And that just made me that <laughs> made makes sense. sense. And I was going to say when people, yeah, when people see someone saying that, oh, polyaspartics, and they just do a blanket statement about something, it's just there's more clarity needed. They may not be. Mm-hmm. Um, incorrect entirely but it's there's that extra click like modifier of is it aromatic or aliphatic and those yep. mean different and, things and, and so you gotta go even deeper are we going to admit yeah yeah 100 percent. awesome yeah so i mean the short of it is there's a serious human element when you're working with chemicals that are designed to cure and be ready for use within a day 
I mean, the reason that our floors are such a benefit compared to epoxies is, you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that homeowners don't want to have to move out of the garage for four days while different coats cure and harden and that kind of thing. And so, you know, the, the goal is to hopefully return that garage back to use as quickly as possible. And the reason we're able to do that is with really fast curing products. But as soon as you start working with really fast curing products, the skill of the tradespeople that are actually installing this floor comes into play much, much more. Um, you know, in epoxies, you've got hours and hours to work with an epoxy. You know, anybody, you know, can really roll it out, let it sit. They can, you know, come back. If there's an area that's a little light, they need to add more. You know, with this, once you roll it out and once it begins curing, you're kind of stuck. So I hope you did a good job. And so that's why it's really important to not only match the chemical that you're going to be installing, but the installers that you're actually hiring to put it down. I see a lot of, whether it be direct to concrete aspartics or, or a form of polyurea base coats or, or that kind of thing, I, I see a lot of jobs and not all jobs are created equal. Um, you know, and you see some photos, you see some jobs that have been done and you you just kind of cringe and you go, oh my gosh, that's an install error. And so it's really important to find a company and an install team that's going to take a lot of pride in what they're doing, you know, in a company that's going to stand behind it that, hey, you know, you're going to be a hundred percent satisfied when this floor is done. We, we, you know, we stand behind it. We promise. That makes me think um, the someone, this was actually left in a Google review for us, but someone said uh, superior or something like, in their review, oh, uh, it said superior product, product, excellent. Yeah, excellent product, superior, superior installation. installation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it's that's what it's all about. Well, and so many times when you talk about DIY kits, it's just hilarious. I look at these. I, I you'll laugh. I was on like YouTube when I first started, and I found a this old house video, yeah. and they were doing uh, DIY epoxy garage floor and. You know, it was so comical knowing what I what I know now about the application. You know, they, they were talking about, well, we're just going to come through. We're going to acid wash your concrete. And they sprinkled some powder and they scrubbed it with a scrub brush and they hosed it out. And I just I just laughed when I looked at it, you know, because my theory on it is if the acid that you're putting on your garage floor is strong enough to really wear away the top level of that concrete and open up the pores, yeah, I probably don't want that acid anywhere near my house or my kids or my pets or my plants. Definitely. And so, you know, it's kind of a Band-Aid. Really, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a good cleaner. And that's what most DIY kits come with. And, you know, I don't know too many homeowners that are going to go to Sunbelt Rentals and rent, uh, you know, a 600-pound planetary grinder, you know, and test their most hardness of their garage floor and they're going to figure out the correct diamond tooling to place on the, the planetary grinder to give you that good that good grind to open it up and to know the difference between a floor that's partially ground versus completely ground and is ready to accept product. You know, so it, you just begin to realize that this, unfortunately, just isn't a DIY project. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're looking for something that's going to last longer than three or four years, this just isn't it. I'm so sorry. You know, there's other areas of home improvement that you can save money on. But if you want a long lasting floor, unfortunately, you're likely going to need to hire it out. Yeah, I think the uh, one of our the people on our marketing team, she had to be, you know, she would engage with customers on the phone and they're wanting ballpark estimates. And they yeah. just may want like, oh, well, that, you know, seems kind of expensive. I A friend told me that it was going to be X and I feel I just don't understand like how you guys are able to charge that much. 
And she never mm-hmm. felt confident in a response to oh, that until yeah. we sent her out to work a job. <laughs> and so she mm-hmm. went out there to do this like three car garage. And she was yeah. like, Oh my gosh, we had three guys out there and she was like there helping, you know, like they let her like yeah. work the grinder and stuff. And she was like, if you just do the math, like, okay, so we're going to send three guys out there, a truck, this, you know, grind 600 pound grinder that costs, you know, however, hundred thousand, sixty thousand dollars whatever that is. And then yeah. like all the tools that we bring and the expertise. Mm-hmm. And then those three guys are going to work for eight hours. It's like, yep. what's an appropriate wage to pay somebody, right? Like do some <laughs> quick math in your head. And then add no in a, a, a quality product and it's like, and how much is the other guy charging you? So where is he, where are they cutting costs in order exactly. to do this? You know what I mean? And, and it's like, it's really when you under, when a homeowner watches it and then and literally like you can watch a video, but like watch them do your floor and you'll be like, mm-hmm. this was worth every penny. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And the people that are doing it are professionals and they know what they're doing. Yes. And, you know, it's not chucking a truck that, yeah. you know, rented a grinder from Sunbelt or a shop blaster and they're coming around and they're, and they're painting garage floors. It's just not the case. Yeah. And it's totally. also the, the relevance of what they're doing as well. To your point of those kits that are like, mm-hmm. oh, here's a little bit of powder for you to acid wash your, wash your floor or something. Yeah. It's really that there is a lot of impact from them going in and spending all that time with those heavy duty grinders. A hundred percent. I also, I had, I heard you say this. I want to clarify because I I had forgotten about this, but to the point of you buy a kit, it's kind of like, um, if you just, if you're going to get, um, your hair dyed or your hair cut and they just like sent you like a pair of scissors and like a color and, or like (laughs) whatever. And they didn't like look at your hair, you know, or like try to identify what you need before just like applying this. It's the same. It's just like there are, it's not a one size fits all. Like the garages are not like, they may not look like they're this vastly different like possibilities, but it is kind of strange that they would just say every garage needs a little bit of this, some water and then scrubbing and then you're done and you can put this on. And if you, on top of that, because I know this, like depending on the temperature, there's the the preparation of the mixing and stuff. 100%, There's like, yeah. can you speak to that a little bit on it? It's yeah. like, we literally are looking at the hardness. We're changing the diamond bits on our grinder because of Correct. that. It's, there's yeah. all these layers of like paying attention to the details. Well, and to your point, you talked earlier about, you know, why we don't give ballpark prices. And it's because I have no idea what your concrete is like. When actually a groomsman in my wedding lives down in Kansas City, and is looking at, at getting his garage done. And he sent me one picture, a one by one square foot section of his garage. And he goes, what do you think this would cost? And I was like, no idea, man. I know you're my buddy, but I'm not going to tell you a number. I just can't do it. You know, and so realizing that the hardness of the concrete, uh, the porosity of the concrete, the amount of pitting or cracks, expansion joints, verticals, there are so many things that go into actually giving an adequate price. And fortunately for us, all of our dealers really stand behind this idea that, hey, unfortunately, I can tell you, you know, the cheapest floor we ever installed was X dollars, but I have no idea what your floor is going to be till we actually send someone that's been trained on how to, you know, look at that floor. And it's because everything has to be tailor-made. Uh, like you said, 
you know, not all, all diamond tooling is, is created equal. And when we say diamond tooling, we're actually talking about these metal segments with crushed diamonds, and that's actually what's going to be used to profile the floor and actually open up the pores and grind away that top layer of concrete. And you've got to match the appropriate tooling to the actual hardness of the concrete and the Mohs hardness, which will tell us how, how hard and how durable that concrete's going to be. Um, and so it's not a one-size-fits-all. And it, it, we have to be a little bit more, you know, concerned with matching up the appropriate application to the actual substrate we're going to coat. And that goes right into our temperature blends. You know, we want our installers and our dealers all across the country, whether you're in, you know, Duluth, Minnesota, all the way down, you know, to, to Dallas, Texas, there's going to be a very different temperature swing, uh, you know, in, in the month of January and what that and what that temperature is going to do to your actual coating. And so we have three different temperature speeds of our product. And the reason we do that is we want to make sure that we're able to honor that one-day install in most scenarios, you know, a standard garage, two- to three-car garage, X number of square feet without excessive cracks or pits. We want to make sure that our dealers are able to deliver on that promise that it's going to be a one-day install. And so the temperature speeds, what they actually do is it changes the cure rate of the chemical. And so... Um, you know, when it's really, really cold out, um, you know, we want to actually what we call speed up that cure process because the temperature, ambient temperature of the air and temperature of the slab will actually slow down the curing of that base coat. So it's important for us to match the temperature outside with the temperature of the chemical we're putting down. And in the same token, you know, when our dealers in Arizona are installing floors in August in Tucson and it's super hot out, you know, the last thing we want to do is give a product that they pour down on the slab and it cures instantly. You know, we, we need to, you know, obviously slow that way down so that our crews are going to have time to roll it out and, and really match the application. So all of our dealers are trained on the appropriate application, what the appropriate speeds and temps that they'll need to use, you know, and realizing that as a manufacturer, one size doesn't fit all. And there's a lot of people out there that, that just tell people, well, don't do a floor if it's less than 55 degrees. And I'm like, I live in Minnesota. Like, that's not an option. You know, our, yeah. our coatings. Yeah, our coatings 10 days a year that you can do it. <laughs> bingo, yeah. Uh, that second week of August is delightful. So, yeah. no, it's, you know, in, in realizing that, um, yeah, I mean, having, um, you know, the, the chemical that's going to be able to have good work time no matter the temperatures. Our, our product can actually be installed all the way down to negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, which is amazing, but what I usually tell dealers is if you can find me a homeowner that wants to clean out their garage and move when stuff out of negative 20, that's, exact, that's, that's your limitation at that point. We might be able to do it, but, man, no homeowner is going to want to move their uh, their refrigerator out of their garage when it's that cold. Yeah, that's funny. Do you have a question, Michaela? Well, I'm kind of curious, uh, with all of this information explaining – this product, I mean, I know now that we can all shop online, everybody loves finding dupes or imitations of things. So have you encountered any imitators mm -hmm. or knockoffs in the marketplace? And kind of what all can homeowners know to oh. identify these and avoid them? Yeah, we actually really had to address it pretty sternly this year. Um, we even have in some of our markets people claiming that they're installing Pentec floors when they're not. And so now we've moved towards giving every dealer a verified Pentec dealer number. 
Um, you know, and it's a great compliment. You know, if your competition has to come out and say, well, we're installing Pentex floors in order to win a bid, you know, that's a great compliment to our dealers, the incredible people that, that install our product every day and work hard to push our brand forward along with their brand. And so we've had to address that. And so, you know, if you've got somebody claiming to be a Pentec dealer, um, you know, you can ask for their verified dealer number. You can punch it into our website and you can make sure that, hey, that person that's putting down that product is indeed installing Pentec. Really what you see, though, is you see people in the marketplace uh, putting down diluted versions of the coating. That's, that's easily the most common. It's really easy to cut a product down 30 to 40 percent. You know, you put in some fillers that will make it go a little bit further, a little more liquid in the bucket. But at the end of the day, all those fillers are going to flash off the floor. They're going to evaporate. And, you know, it's really important to say, okay, what are we actually left with? You know, when the crews pull out and when it's done and the floor looks great, how much of the product that they promise is actually left on the floor? And by having products that are pure, you know, that, that ensures that, that it's going to last long term. Mm. Um, the, uh, I'm, I want to go back just to the DIYers because I feel like I am like, I, I love doing things once like change the oil on my car. I did that twice. And I was like, okay, I'll just go to Jiffy Lube, whatever. Yeah, or like, 30 bucks ain't yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You do, like, I, I'm the type of person that's like, I want to, like, I want to understand, like, let me, let me help. Let me do this. And so I feel like just addressing the DIYers out there that are like, yeah, I've, I could do this myself. I feel like I want to say, yes, you can. There are, there are definitely options out there. You could go rent the grinder and you bet. probably get pretty damn close. But the question that I would say, because I, I guess my belief is that coming out and being like, this is a, not a DIY solution for that type of person that's like, oh, yeah, watch me. Like, I'm going to go, like, yeah. the challenge, you know? Well, so it's like, it can be done. However, just like now back to the like $30 ain't bad for an oil change. It's just like, do you want to go through all the, the work? Because it's, it's like intensive work. And we do it with three guys in one day. Do you have three buddies that are also as eager to do the project with you? You know, like, so anyway, that's my. I, I love unpacking that with homeowners that say, well, you're competing with the $75 kit from Home Depot. And it's like, okay, great. Your floors can look so good for the next six weeks. Yeah, you know, call exactly. me, call me when you pull in mm -hmm. with your F-150 that, that weighs a bunch and it's been driving on the interstate and the tires are 800 degrees and you pull in and you're left with really great, you know, tire lines right down the middle of your garage. Or let's talk about if you could actually prep your concrete the way that a professional would. Do you, do you own a Mohs hardness kit? Okay, so that those kits are between two and $300, but you need it because you got to match the diamonds. Okay, now you get to go rent the, the grinder if there happens to be one in your area. So that's going to cost another $200. Uh, do you have a truck big enough to load it and get it back to your house? Okay, you do. Great. So we don't have to worry about that cost. Now, you have your Mohs hardness and you have your diamonds. Uh, what diamond goes with what Mohs hardness? You know, and so you start to unpack this of like, okay, do you have a seven inch angle grinder to cut in around the edges? Okay, you don't. So those are, you know, four to $500 that you're gonna buy. Oh, you're gonna need a cup wheel. That's another $200 to actually put it on. And, and not to mention, this takes our three guy crew, you know, a full day to do if you want to get this done in a weekend, good luck. 
you know, and if you've got cracks and pits in your garage, how are you going to repair them? Okay, so you might use a, a product that you can get from the shelf at Home Depot, but is the product you're putting down able to bind to the concrete repair material that you're putting into the joint? Because if it doesn't, it's just going to peel off or the joint's going to come out altogether. So once you help under, homeowners understand this idea that, look, there are options. If you want to make your floor look really good for tomorrow, great. We, there, there's some great options for you. But it's also, you know, kind of figuring out down the road, you know, is this going to last and is this a long-term solution? I, I have an, just an awesome dealer that, that was somewhat new within the last year, year and a half. And um, he, said, he called me and said, Jake, I'm really struggling. I'm like, okay. And he goes, well, we're, we're expensive. You know, we're the most expensive person at all these bids. And uh, people can go out and, and they can get an epoxy you know, a chuck in a truck epoxy in our area, and they can get it for, you know, almost 20% cheaper than what we are. And I kind of started to chuckle. I was like, oh, wow, 20% cheaper. Good for them. I was like, let's just play this game. I said, let's say it's 50% cheaper. What are your thoughts on it? And he's like, I can't compete with that. I said, okay. I go, you know, how long have you been in your house? He's like, oh, we've been there 17 years. I was like, okay. I said, so let's just say that you hired chuck in a truck epoxy for $4 a square foot and they came out and they did your garage. You're replacing that floor every three years if they do a really good job. If you found a real diamond in the rough that's going to take their time with prep work, maybe it lasts three to five years. Well, you've been in your house for 17 years, so you've now redone your floor three different times. So you've already more than made up for the price difference of actually you know, coming out and using the appropriate chemicals and the appropriate company to install. You know, so you know, what I tell homeowners is, you know, when they say, well, you guys are so expensive. I say, well, we're expensive in what, in what frame of mind? Are, are we expensive tomorrow? Yes. Are we expensive 10 years down the road, seven years down the road? Not at all. We're actually a budget option long term. You know, and mm -hmm. so if your goal is to just have something that looks good in short term, yeah, okay, go with something else. But if you plan on using your floor every day, and you plan on using and being in your home for years to come, you know, let's actually think about our time value of money and how long we're going to need this floor to last for it to make sense financially. And it really, yeah. is, it doesn't take much math. It reminds me of the, uh, like, oh, Patagonia stuff. It's so expensive. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. I mean, compared to what, the coat at Walmart? Like, yeah, but what are you yep. doing in the coat? Do you need something to just for the weekend? Like, yeah, it's probably yep. expensive, but are you like, a hardcore like snowboarder or mount like hiker climber that wants it, yeah. or are you just someone that likes the status of saying I wear Patagonia and I want to pay the extra money so I look like I know what I'm doing? You know, which yeah. any of those like you just have to the co the comment it's expensive. It, yeah. In what like to expand? Tell me more. Why? How? In what time frame? You know, like yeah, it's more than just that. I my my grandpa always used to tell me, Jake, buy once, cry once. He's like, you don't want to, you don't want to have to constantly be rebuying. I, uh, I remember I, I bought a really expensive pair of boots. I've had them for nine years. They were really expensive at the time, but I used to buy, you know, the hundred dollar boots every eight months and I'd burn through them and I'd wear them out and I bought a really nice pair of boots and they cost me a lot more, but they lasted a lot longer. And so, yeah. you know, there's, there's definitely a piece to that, that I hope owner, homeowners, think about a little bit more, uh, you know, when talking about their, their garage floor. Um, just kind of our last question here, because you know, I know it's come up throughout this discussion. 
um, the reality that mm. there is no master product that is perfect for absolutely everything. And speaking right. to that, polyurea isn't perfect right. for every project, but it's a great choice for nope. most or a lot of them. So for what projects do you think polyurea mm -hmm. absolutely works the best? Yeah, I think for your your typical homeowner, uh, for the homeowner that wants to basically, you know, put this floor coating down and not worry about it for years and years to come, I think for industrial applications where they're looking for a long-term solution, uh, there comes a tipping point when looking at floors. And, and this is how I like to explain it to a lot of customers. There, there is a tipping point. If I had a 150,000 square foot warehouse and I needed to get my floor coated to pass OSHA, I'm going to go epoxy. It's cheap. It's easy to install. takes a long time to cure. I would never go polyurea. It's going to cost way too much money. And at, at the end of the day, my, my goal is simply to get this floor coated. Um, but for our average consumer and homeowner, um, you know, if they want a beautiful floor that's going to hold up long term, they like the look of the chip system with speckles and kind of that faux granite look, this is going to be the best option. One thing that we see a lot is I've got homeowners that say, man, I love that marble swirl, you know, and, and those really beautiful floors that just look amazing when they're done. And they say, well, can you guys do that? I say, well, that's actually an epoxy. I said, let's talk a little bit about the benefits and the drawbacks of it. You know, with epoxies, they aren't UV stable. They're going to yellow over time. So it needs to be an interior project. In addition, it's going to take us at least three or four days in order to install. So you've got to be able to move out for a while. Those floors look amazing 20 minutes after they got put down. And when the top coat is still glossy, they look amazing. But When the marketing you know, team they, comes in to take those photos. That's they, <laughs> bingo, Chris. Bingo. Yeah. You know, but, and they do. They look amazing. You know, the, the issue is, you know, look, if this is going to be in my man cave in my basement and I go down there with socks on to watch TV – great go get after it it's going to be a great <laughs> option but those floors just really deteriorate fairly quickly and they're not really resistant to marring and scratching and so you know it really comes down to do you like the look of the polyurea polyaspartic chip system it, it, if you do great um, you know are you a homeowner looking to do patios pool decks garages or in a in a commercial setting do you have a smaller warehouse space where it makes sense to just install this floor one time, get everybody out of the building or, or, you know, maybe shut down for a day or two, get it done, you know, and then move back in and not have to worry about it for the next 15 years. Whereas, you know, with, uh, you know, if I, like I said, if I owned a big warehouse and needed to get my floor done, Poxy's probably going to win out because it's going to be cheap and easy to do. And there's a lot of people that do it. I love the idea of having an article that says, polyurea is not right for you if bang, 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 and you just like, yeah. come out and own, these are circumstances that you wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about the quality of substrate. So, so many times we have homeowners that have been advised to repour their concrete. They say, well, we're just gonna coat it. You know, that's a huge one. And so our product is only good as the substrate we put it on. And so we need to be really careful. So if your concrete is in really, really bad shape, this is not the option. Unfortunately, we're gonna have to steer you towards concrete professional that's going to tear it out and repour. Um, if you have a seriously large application that, um, you know, you need to get done, whether it be for OSHA requirements or anything like that, uh, polyureas and, and polyaspartic, this kind of system that we typically run, probably not going to be an option just from a cost standpoint. If you have all the money and you have a grant and you've got the money to do it, great. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to love it. Um, but with that being said, 
um, you know, you're you're really looking at at a tipping point with cost. And so, at what point does it make sense to switch over to a slightly, you know, less expensive uh, a process? Um, you know, and and certainly the look is the last piece. If if someone just doesn't like the look of the chip system or doesn't like the look of you know a, a polyurea with a polyaspartic, there's really nothing we can do about that. Uh, we're in the name or we're in the game of of longevity and long lasting floors, not so much. Um, you know, being able to be that one, you know, one size fits all for everybody. Mm, fantastic. Well, any other closing remarks, Jake, on just like uh, other updates or things that people can turn to resources? I don't know. Is there anything on your mind that you wanted to share? No, I would just say, you know, Pentech and from a super corporate uh, standpoint, you know, we really thrive uh, because of our dealer network and, you know, what I, I tell people every day is the only reason we're able to grow and expand and uh, and continue to improve. You know, we've got two chemists on staff uh, that are working every day to improve on our products and come up with new products. The only reason we're able to do that is because we partner with just some awesome dealers uh, and people that believe the same things we do. That, hey, let's install the best floor coating possible, something that's gonna last long term, and a floor that ultimately we can stand behind from a brand standpoint. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you being generous with your time and uh, helping us put some good content out there to hopefully uh, provide uh, homeowners and people looking at coatings just some more in-depth information into polyureas and other options out there. So this was really good. You bet. My pleasure. It was great.